Emily. Emily! Thanks, Emily, for joining and supporting us. I, I needed to save us from ourselves. Surprise shots. Surprise shots. We don't know what they are because they're a surprise. Uh, fuck, I'm toasted. I'm was about to show my nips. Was that gin? Who wants it? Who wants this? Who wants to suck on this teeth? Ew! Stop <laughs> it! Free the nip. <laughs> Free the nip. Oh, sorry. Nip slip. Ooh. <laughs> nip slip. Oh my Why God. Is, can we ask a real question? Why is that not scandalous? But if one of us did it, it would be. Because I don't the know. patriarchy. It's, Fuck the patriarchy. It's not completely naked for y'all if you have pasties on. So if right. you have a little it's thing. just the nipple. Covering your little nipple, you're not naked. Correct. <laughs> That's so stupid. If, so where are we going? Who are we killing? Jane Doe. All right, here, here's where we're going right here. Have you what been here? What city is this? Oh, look, there's my homeland. Mm-hmm. Wait, go up, go up to the right land. a little bit. Go go, go nope, to the right. Nope, he's not going to, because we're going to get into the story now. This cow. Nope, we're going to get shit. into the story. That's that's not where I'm from. So, that's New York. Yeah. You can call it cow shit if you want. It's New York. Tonight, we're going to 515 West 42nd Street in New York. I'm here on the Google Earth. This is the Hotel Travel Inn. We're actually going to room 417. Tonight, we're going to be talking about Carl Wilson. But this is going to be more of a Jane Doe story. And I kind of teased it on the last episode because I would like to see Jane Doe identified. And the man who could possibly identify Jane Doe, the Manhattan Jane Doe, Mm -hmm. is the, the same man who could also come out and tell authorities where he buried her head, which Hmm. has not been found, which is why Manhattan Jane Doe is still unidentified. What year did this take place? This is November 29th, 1979. Mm, So before DNA was a a reliable source. Yeah, so this is a Thursday, and we're going to be reading from uh, Peter Vronsky's book. Peter Vronsky is a true crime author, and he writes a lot about generic serial killers, so he kind of writes about an amalgam of serial killers. And his latest book, Sons of Cain, was asking the question, where does like where does the word serial killer come from? Do you know? Yes. Like where? Um, Washington, D.C. Mindhunter. The guy that founded Mindhunter. CAA. Yeah. John Douglas. FBI. <laughs> <laughs> We're just throwing out random ass shit. Okay. So the word serial killer. Yes, it does come from the FBI, a term that was pretty recently, even before this 1979, the term was coined. And it actually comes from these old movies in Hmm. the 60s. If you went to a movie theater, like in the 50s and 60s, they had these things called serials. Series? No, they're basically little episodes before the actual movie, but they always end in a cliffhanger. So you would come back to the movie theater next week to find out what happens. Is it like the dancing hot dogs and sodas that they show before Grease in the movie Grease? No, these are actual actual little stories, monsters, stuff like that. And, you know, the dance on distress and she's about to die but then you got to come back next week to see if she lives and if the hero those are called serials mm. so that is where the word comes from the word has actually been thrown around for a long time the word serial killer but in different in, in different uh, variations like uh routine killers like and, a series like your Netflix yeah, series but finally like the crown how we're waiting for season six all right so can you just read that nicole 
This is a little bit about the area in 1979 in New York. There were 16,000 prostitutes working each day in New York City. From Peter Vronsky's true crime book, Sons of Cain, unlike the tourist and family-friendly versions today, in the 1970s, the neighborhood around Times Square and 42nd Street named Forty Deuce or The Deuce was very nasty. A teeming souk of hardcore porn, adult bookstores, peep shows, grindhouse movie theaters, knife stores, massage parlors, strip joints, live sex acts, souvenir shops, hot dog and hand jobs, street drugs, junkie bars, flop house welfare hotels, and prostitutes of every age, shape, and gender. See, Jen, you can buy your nice bullet in one of these. I just want to comment on the fact that, like, there's a souvenir shop from Live Sex Acts. Like, what? Also, a hot dog hand job. (laughs) (laughs) Dog hand job. No, I want a hot dog. I don't. No, I want a hand job. November 29th, 1979, the Travel Lodge Hotel, a man named Carl Wilson registers for a weekend and he registers room 417. This man is 30-ish, tall, blondish hair. He's very unassuming Mm -hmm. and the staff couldn't even picture him after what I'm going to talk about came out in the, the media. But the only thing they can remember is the do not disturb sign that he placed on his door for about four nights. Hmm. That's a long time. They didn't turn the sheets over at all during that four night stay? No, not when you have a do not disturb. Hmm. He had booked this hotel for the weekend four days. So I'm going to fast forward now. We started on the 29th. We're going to fast forward to December 2nd, a Saturday 1979. As I said, Carl Wilson in this hotel. There were two girls that came and joined him. One of these girls is who we're focusing on tonight because this girl is now known as the Manhattan Jane Doe. Hmm. She has never been identified, although I feel like she should be identified, as you'll see. The other girl, her name was Dita Godarzi. She was 23 years old. She's a Kuwaiti immigrant. And I did see some conflicting sources that say she might have immigrated from Iran. This is her right here, Dita Godarzi. So can you describe her? Um, Long, dark hair, um, brown eyes, very nice eyebrows. Brown, Jen, this is a black and white picture. What are you talking about? Well, she's about? got, I mean, They're dark, dark hair, dark eyes, like long oval face. Yeah. She looks maybe in her 20s. 20s, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. Like if you had my picture in black and white, my eyes would be lighter than that. Like if Nicole and I were taking a picture in black and white, you could tell that her eyes are brown and my eyes are blue. She had thick, beautiful, dark hair, high cheekbones. She was a mother of an infant baby, just 19 months old, who she had recently given up for adoption to the state of New Jersey, where she was from. She was from Trenton. Mm. She was actually a high class escort. Uh, She knew the people that she would perform services for. And her clients are like probably more likely to be well known and of wealthy and well to do. No, no, I wouldn't say that. Just. Because this guy's not really well known or well to do. So what makes the difference between high class escort and honestly, I think it's the difference between a girl walking on the street and a girl who has contacts. Okay. Yeah, I think that's the difference. Honestly, to be honest. No, no, that that's a that was a genuine question. Like I didn't. Yeah. Know. So a girl walking on the street will blow anyone or whatever, but a girl who has contacts, she has a regular schedule. A little black book. 
Yeah, so she she's For gonna regulars. be regulars. She's gonna be more high class because you don't really have to worry about diseases and she's not sleeping with everyone. I don't know. I'm not a prostitute, but from what I feel like this like story is sex workers who walk the street may have regulars as well. Yeah, but I this this lady, number one, she's in New York. She's in a hotel. She's from New Jersey, Trenton area. Yeah. So she's pretty far away from her home. Trenton's not that far away. I know, but she's not walking the street. Right. She, okay. She has to travel to the city. Yeah. Well, she has this client mm-hmm. that she has known for two years. This is another reason why I think the Manhattan Jane Doe, the other girl that was with Dita, got it, could be identified because most likely this girl was also a regular to perform services for this man. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So the fact that this girl is not identified, I feel she should be at this point. Dita, she goes by Jacqueline Thomas and Sabrina. The second girl who we know is the Manhattan Jane Doe was in her 20s. We don't know the girl's name. The two girls were last seen up in room 417, the one with the do not disturb sign. Both were prostitutes, both happy to get off the streets and into a warm hotel. And according to Peter Vronsky from the book Sons of Cain, at the time there were 40,000 New York City prostitutes and it got so bad at one point that the police had to actually put up barricades so that the prostitutes and their pimps would stop spilling over into traffic on 8th Avenue. Like they were literally so many of them, they would be pushed into traffic. (laughs) I mean... Like moving traffic? 40,000 sex workers (laughs) in this year. Wow. That is a lot. (laughs) That is a lot. And, you know. So you can tell now how hard it might be to identify this woman. However, the guy who killed her is still alive and she could be identified, Mm -hmm. you know. Right. Carl Wilson, who signed up for the room, had purchased services from both Godarzi, which we know her identity, and this unknown companion at the same time. A little bit about Peter Vronsky real quick. He's a old school true crime writer, and he always talks about how he has encountered numerous serial killers. And he he's the one that says most people will encounter three serial killers in their life and not really know about it. It's just mm. the random interactions. Anyway, this man, Peter Vronsky, was in the same city on the same day, December 2nd, 1979, as these prostitutes were in room 417. In fact, this true crime author, Peter Vronsky, registered a room of his own in this hotel and was going up to his room when he had his first encounter with this Carl Wilson, who came down the elevator. So in his book, you know, his words, but... Basically, what happened is he was looking for an inexpensive hotel. He was a journalist, so he was trying to find something cheap. And that's where he found the travel lodge in on December 2nd. And he was pretty upset when he registered the room because the elevator seemed to be stuck at the top floor, the fourth floor. And it seemed to him that had someone had put a bag in between the door so it wouldn't close, so it wouldn't go down. So he is stuck there waiting on this jerk off, as he would say, to 
to come down the elevator. Mm-hmm. This is from his book, Sons of Cain. Sons of Cain, you know, like Cain and Abel. Right. So Cain was apparently the first killer. Mm-hmm. So sons of him. I don't know. He kind of forced it to work. It kind of makes sense. I mean, I guess it does. Like if you think about all of the killers that there were have been on a chain of yeah. those who came from the house of Cain. As I waited in the small lobby for the elevator, it seemed to be stopped forever on an upper floor. It was annoying. I was young and impatient. When the elevator finally came down and the door slid open, I took an extra hard look at the jerk off who kept me waiting for what seemed like ages, although probably wasn't longer than a minute. He looked like, well, like anybody ordinary. So this man who is a serial killer, Vronsky says that he didn't even notice. He didn't even realize that he encountered the serial killer until it came out about what happened at this hotel right after. So he says in his book that all he saw was this man sweating on his forehead and he, quote, walked through me almost like this man who got off. This Carl Wilson was completely unaware of him standing there. The elevator had taken so long to come down because this guy was he had put a bag down in the elevators so the doors wouldn't close because he was waiting to make sure something happened. And we know now that that something was he had lit a fire in room 417. He was making sure that the fire was being lit and furnished before he went down to clear all the evidence. Quote, as he got off the elevator, he walked into me as if I was not there, walked through me, bonking me on the knee and shin with a soft-sided bag that felt as as if it had bowling balls in it, rounded, hard, and heavy. What do you think was in that bag? Mm. <laughs> I'm going to go with a head. Yeah. So he says, uh, ding, 99. It was only later after the capture of this man who registered in this hotel for for room 417, he registered as Carl Wilson. It later came out that his real name, and he was called the Times Square Ripper, was Richard Cottingham. Uh Aha. Did you know that? Yeah, I was going to ask if this was related (laughs) to Richard Cottingham when you said that there was a lady who didn't have her head. We did Richard Cottingham, right? Yes, we did. Yeah, I know. I'm doing the Jane Doe that was also in the room. Okay. I was just confused. This man, Richard Cottingham, who is now basically on his deathbed right now. I recently did a little uh, write-up about it. He is suffering from bad health. and Currently in 2023. Yeah, currently he is pretty much dying on his deathbed. (laughs) And authorities are still trying to get as many names. Wow. And, And so far, I believe they have nine unidentified victims that have been identified with his cooperation, Mm -hmm. but he is an elderly man at this point. He's not all there. And I I feel like the Manhattan Jane Doe should be able to be identified. Right. I mean, you know, because we we know who the other one was. Yeah. How many people are running around Manhattan beheading people? What? Jen. Or who's who's the victim of? You mean? Right. Like, no, no. That's what I'm saying is that like this woman, she's a Jane Doe who's in the 70s. Shouldn't be that hard to identify. Right. Like there weren't a lot of people that were beheading people other than Richard Cottingham in that time period. Wait, we know it was Richard Cottingham that beheaded her. Oh, right. Got it. What the fuck? <laughs> what is going on here, Jen? I feel like sometimes you make me it's feel the, like I'm high. It's the beer. No, I think that I am just on a different planet. And I just love, I just realized that you're wearing your Chattahoochee hat and it made me really happy. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm doing this for Jen. You guys don't look if you, if you don't want to, but this is just to settle Jen's soul. Oh my God. <laughs> 
You see, holy I, hell! I even did the fade in there. Did you like that? <laughs> so this is what the victims look like. Great, fantastic! Thank you so much for that, John. So, so uh, sadly, the not not work to sober me up. Like it was really sad to see, but I'm still drunk. So these images right here, can you describe what you're seeing? So we are seeing a a body two, without a head. Two yeah, bodies. Two this bodies. is two bodies. Two bodies. Yeah, one of them has arms and the other one does not. One face up, one face down, um, and both covered in blood, no heads. But one was identified and the other was not. So how does that happen? Can we use the same techniques? Do you want me to take this off the screen? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Thank you. Can we use the same techniques that we did to identify Dita's body to identify Manhattan Jane Doe's body, right? Mm -hmm. It was only later, after Richard Cottingham was captured, that the author Peter Vronsky says that he thought back to the experience and then the bag that hit him on the shin with the two bowling balls in it, he surmised at the time, started to make more sense. We know Godarzy's head was buried at the Long Island State Bridge, mm -hmm. even though her skull was never found. That's what Richard Cottingham would say. Uh -huh. This is Richard Cottingham right now, the, the Times Square Ripper. I did his whole story. This is just a little refresher about the guy. He's on his deathbed currently, mm -hmm. and he is been cooperating, but he's not all there in the head anymore. He's all ever. I mean, who is if they're going around beheading people? Were the hands there or were they gone? Or was that the other victim that you were showing? Huh? The hands like fingerprints. Um, So the hands were gone. Yeah, the hands were gone. Okay. Feet sure. prints are, are more unique than fingerprints. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say aren't, aren't feet print. But how many how like how many people get their feet printed? I'm going to go do it. I'm going to feet print my the shit out of everything yeah See, toes hands nose so the head was taken off and the the hands were also taken off and also the breast of both women mm. but yet we uh, can identify one and there are certain ways we identified godarzy and most likely these two women knew each other and that's just one of the ways that we can i mean we could actually go back if someone was really motivated you could identify her i can mm. i can promise you that i mean it's just it shouldn't be that hard now i don't know if they still have the dna from her or not i saw uh, a lot of people asking well, why don't they just run her dna through like ancestry.com i don't know if they actually kept her dna or not okay because it like you said it really wasn't a big thing back then fingerprints and and now they can do toe prints mm. you know what i'm saying but i don't know honestly i would doubt because this was what 40 years ago more than that 45 years ago about 1979 yeah yeah Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think they would keep DNA even well, back, back then. They didn't even really know what to do with it. I, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I, I do not know. It seems like it's easy to just run DNA, but if they don't have it, then they're fucked. Yeah. yeah. The thing that's important, there were no penetrating wounds, said the forensic pathologist, Dr. Louise Napolitano, who described seeing curved cuts around the woman's breasts, straight cuts beneath them. There were no knife wounds that penetrated into the body. They were all superficial. He's teasing them. I'm not doing anything to kill you right away. I'm not putting a knife in your chest or cutting or making you die right away. 
No, I want you to know I'm here doing things to you. Napolitano said he's doing things to make them afraid, to have them subjugate to him. I'm doing this to you and I can make it worse. Both the bodies were desecrated. If you want to know the whole story on Richard Cottingham, I did that episode. So and I'm pretty sure it's pretty gruesome. The reason I want to do this story specifically is because of the Manhattan Jane Doe and finding out who she is exactly. We know the identity of the other woman because of her. Ah. And she survived. Huh? Go on. Jen, no. No, Jen. Kind of. She survived because she was given up for adoption right before her mother was found headless in a hotel room. Oh, no. So this is Jennifer Weiss right here. This is this is kind of what I wanted to do on the story because I haven't heard this. I don't know if you guys have, but this is really interesting. This is the daughter of Godarzi, mm-hmm. the Kuwaiti immigrant. Got it. Okay. Who in 2002 wanted to know who her biological mother was. She was given up to the state. Uh-huh. They ran wow. DNA tests. I'm sorry to tell you this, but your mother was found headless in a hotel room. Oh, shit. So being Jennifer Weiss, what do you think you would do with that information? I want to find out everything about her. Why was she found headless? What led her to that? Yeah. Who killed her? She sends him a letter. Oh. And she says in the letter, basically, please tell me everything you know about my mother. Richard Cottingham said in a letter to Jennifer Weiss, quote, I just don't know what to say to you or how to say it. I can only tell you what's in my heart and pray that you believe me. I am truly and deeply sorry, so very sorry for all the pain I have brought in your life. This is them together. Oh. Jennifer Weiss and the man, Richard Cottingham, who killed her mother. She looks like her mother. I know. Dude, what? It is uncanny. Let, let me show you the, the mother right quick. This is the mother, right? Mm-hmm. And then she scrolling, the same nose. scrolling back mm-hmm. up, right? It's a lot like her. Oh my God. It's literally yeah. the same. She reached out to Cottingham and instead of, you know, instead of venting, you kill my mother, you beheaded her, you raped her, you all, all this stuff. She realizes that this man has killed a lot of other victims who are still unidentified. So Jennifer Weiss went on a mission to be friend Cottingham, hmm. which is weird. Okay. Well, it it's weird. a, I mean, it's a tactic yeah, to try sure. to get to know and try to build trust to get the answer she's looking for. Did she and, tell and him to bring closure to others? That's, that's like hugely ad, admirable. For sure. Did she tell him before? Like at the beginning of their relationship, and not I'm not talking like romantic relationship, but she did she tell him at the beginning that that she was the daughter that he killed her mother, or yeah, did oh, (laughs) or did she tell him like after the fact? I believe she said at the beginning. Now she has a whole Netflix thing and a podcast. I didn't I didn't watch it. The reason she's important is because if it wasn't for her, these other families would have no closure. Right. She befriended Cottingham, got past the terrible situation and got him to confess to other homicides. She single-handedly got him to work with police to release names and identifications, which brought a lot of closure to multiple families, Mm. over five that she's responsible for that I've seen. 
So five other families now have closure because she is such a strong woman to do this. Richard Cottingham did confess to burying her mother's head at the George Washington Bridge, although her skull was never found. Mm. As a mother, now Jennifer Weiss, mother of four, cancer survivor, she says the following, quote, I'm doing this for the mothers who lost their daughters and my own mother. And for these girls that their lives were ended one night or day by Richard playing God. I'm not going to rest easy until we figure out who they are. So that's why I do what I do. So let's talk a little bit about the Manhattan Jane Doe, if you want. The Manhattan Jane Doe, and this is the the Doe Network, she is still unidentified, unidentified female. You see Godarzi's photo here. You see what they were wearing, you know, their Mm -hmm. get up and stuff like that. But she is still unidentified. So the other woman in the room is unidentified. We know that Richard Cottingham had had history with these prostitutes. So he liked to build a relationship with them. Like he knew Godarzi, you know, he knew about her life. They were, they were clients for two years. Right. So most likely the other girl is of a similar, Mm -hmm. similar, you know, or whatever. Situation. Yeah. Her estimated age is 16 to 22 years. Race is white, female 5'1 to 5'4, 100 to 110 pounds. Her hair is unknown, eye color unknown. She has no really distinguishing marks. One of the reasons that they knew Godarzi was who she was without her head is because they went to the Trenton, New Jersey hospitals and looked for x-rays. And she had recently given birth to Jennifer Weiss, her daughter. Mm -hmm. She had had a cesarean scar, a very unique one. Mm -hmm. So even though she was using an alias at the time, Jack, they still can match that cesarean scar to her. And and that was one of the ways they can identify her. So could they do that with this uh, girl as well, even now? Also, Godarzi was identified by a friend from Trenton. She was a high class escort. So she had clients. You know, she goes missing. She doesn't come back. And on December 7th, a friend called in to the police to ask about where Godarzi was. Did this happen with the other girl? Did someone call in about her as well? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Godarzi had also been arrested, quote, five or six times for prostitution in several communities. Did the other girl also have a record? Mm-hmm. You know, so right now, Richard Cottingham, his health is failing and he's about he's about to die. He's like on his deathbed. And I, I believe the reason he hasn't said her identity is because he his mind is, isn't there anymore. I'm sure he doesn't remember everybody. Exactly. Right. And it's been 45 years at this point. But if someone could just maybe get him to remember where he buried her head, that may be enough to prime his memory or something. But I don't know. I just wanted to do that short story and just kind of revisit Cottingham. I know it was short, but... Very interesting. It is. Also, I, I did an episode on him. I'm pretty sure it's brutal as all hell, mm. but I know we didn't go into too brutal stuff, but I don't know. I don't know if you guys like that. I hope you guys did. Yes. Definitely check out that Jennifer Weiss. I mean, it's kind of interesting. Definitely a brave woman to yeah, co-confront sure. the serial killer who killed her mother. Yeah. You know, because I mean, she's she's not only asking, you know, what did you do? Was you Why did you cut her head off? She's also asking, you know, what was she like? Right. What was my mother like? Right. They known each other for two years. So crazy. she is, isn't that crazy? Yeah. yeah. Nuts. Yeah. And that picture of her choking. Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, it's something you don't see every day no. in true crime. No. I don't know. No, not at all. So I hope you guys enjoy. And uh, until next time, good night, you lovely, lovely people. <laughs> <laughs>